Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Anthony Blinken. You know, Mr. Bitterser, just came to me. Nancy Pelosi should be called Pelosi Blinken, shouldn't she? Anyway, Anthony Blinken at the press conference today regarding Sudan. Cut one, go. A decision to suspend operations at the embassy, remove our personnel from their assigned posts, is among the most difficult that any secretary has to make. Why? But my first why, 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 why? Why? If we're under attack, you moron, why is it difficult? Go ahead. Is the safety of our people, and I determined that the deteriorating security conditions in Khartoum posed an unacceptable risk to keeping our team there at this time. Uh, I want to be clear that... Does he always talk with these affectations? I, I want to be clear. Where he's imitating sort of William F. Buckley and imitating Elon Musk. I notice they sound a lot, those two. you notice that? And as you know, I'm a big Elon Musk fan. And, uh, but anyway, uh, go ahead. Even as we have temporarily suspended operations on the ground in Khartoum... Yes, yes. Right. Go ahead. Diplomatic and consular work in Sudan continues. Yes. Indeed, does. in just the last 36 hours since the embassy evacuation operation was completed, yes. we've continued to be in close communication with U.S. citizens and individuals affiliated with the U.S. government. Ah, uh, okay. We heard this before, didn't we? We heard this crap before. As American citizens, God knows what's happened to them in Afghanistan. Can you imagine? Particularly the women and children. Oh, my God. What has happened to them? And secondarily, the people who assisted us there. Oh, my Lord. We never have a story from the constipated news network or the crap news network or MSLSD or anybody else about what's taking place. It's unbelievable. And the inspector general, remember what he said, that the State Department and others are not working with him, so he doesn't know what's going on in terms of the money. We're still sending hundreds of millions of dollars to these mass murders. It's, it's unbelievable. And I went and I looked at media to see if there was any story on this. There's none. So why do they call themselves mediaite? That's why I call them mediocreite. They're even worse than mediocre. There's nothing there. There's no story there. Go ahead. Provide assistance and facilitate available departure routes. Ah, those... shut up, you idiot. We heard your crap before. Thank God they didn't stick that Austin and Millie up there, for God's sakes. Then we get this guy, John Kirby, Admiral. Admiral for what? Admiral because he has a big mouth. He was on CNN today. Oh, guess what? He was on with Don Lemon, and then they fired Don Lemon. He said he was shocked. Uh, CNN said he shouldn't have been. We asked to meet with him. 
but whatever. Cut to go. Sudan's military chief said on Saturday morning, John, that his troops would help evacuate U.S. diplomats and citizens. He said, and citizens. But the U.S. embassy said that it was too dangerous. Do you think that there was a missed opportunity to get private citizens? So let's stop right there. First of all, it's too bad. This is the best question Don Lemon has ever asked in his entire career, such as it is. And then they give him the old boot. But it was the best questions he's ever asked. And then he's removed. Go ahead. No, sir. In fact, we are doing everything we can to help guide them. Uh, If there's a safe way to get out. Oh, okay. So let's just pretend we're over there in that hellhole. Yes, it is. And you hear Kirby saying, we're trying to guide them out safely. How do you get a hold of these people? Do you have Kirby's phone number or Blinken's phone? Who are they getting a hold of? Who are they talking to? I mean, we already learned this, we Americans, that this is all bullcrap. Again, we saw what happened in Afghanistan. This is the worst administration when it comes to everything and anything. Everything and anything. So they're in touch with the American citizens there, right? They're showing them, or trying to communicate with them about safe ways to get out and so forth. So Don Lemon has a follow-up question, his second best question ever. I mean, it's stunning. Maybe he'll wind up at MSNBC, you never know. Or maybe Mediaite. Cut three, go. Okay, so you said you were in touch with hundreds, but there are about 16,000 or so people who have to get out of this country. Are you able to, you're not able to get in touch with all of them, right? Well, Don, I want to push back on this idea that there's 16,000 Americans who want to get out. Uh, we don't have firm uh, estimates of the exact number of American citizens who are in Sudan. They don't have to register with us. Then why did to- you say you're in touch with them and, and, and you're showing them a safe way to get out and so forth? You're obviously not in touch with everybody because you don't know who everybody is. You just said that. You just said that flimflam artist. Give this guy the hook. Go ahead. They're there. We think the, the vast majority uh, of these American citizens in Sudan, and they're not all in Khartoum, are dual nationals. These are people. And they who probably want to stay there and continue to do what they're doing, enjoying themselves while the gunfire is taking place. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Sudan, who have families there, work there, businesses there, who don't want to leave. So I think we need to be careful about that number. Uh, there's a much smaller population of American citizens who don't work for the government, but work who, with partner agencies like the American School or Fulbright Scholar Program that we are in touch with, and we're trying to get them the best information we can to get out. And as, as I said, several oh, dozen... okay, we got the Fulbright Scholarship Program. What is that, 17 people? Now, if you are in the Fulbright Scholarship Program, may I ask a question? What are you doing in a war-torn country? How smart can you actually be to have a Fulbright Scholarship if that's where you went? No joke, I'm being serious. Uh, I, I, I got my, my, my Fulbright Scholarship. Yes, I did. We'd be going to London. London? No. Uh, 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 Geneva? No. No, 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 I I, I won't be going to Geneva. 
Will he be going to Harvard Square? No. No, not, not, not going to Harvard Square. I know, no. Where are you going? Khartoum. Oh. Sure, you're not a Rhodes Scholar, a Fulbright Scholarship. I mean, uh, obviously you're confused. No, no. They have no idea how many Americans are there. I guess they, they didn't have to use passports to get in there. Of course they did. They have no idea. And uh, go ahead. They are in that U.N. convoy heading to Port Sudan. Mm-hmm. They're in a U.N. convoy. <laughs> okay. Well, they have it firmly under control, as they always do over there at the White House. And uh, what was Biden doing today? Meeting with the Tennessee Three. The Tennessee Three? What's the Tennessee Three? Well, three big mouths, who, uh, one of whom had a bullhorn on the floor of the, the state house in Tennessee on gun control. He's now a, uh, a, a fantastic civil rights leader as a result of his individual insurrection. Ooh, did you say insurrection? I sure did. He literally shut down the, the Tennessee house. Isn't that the definition of insurrection? I think it is. And uh, then we find out later that during one of the Black Lives Matter riots, one of these guys actually assaulted somebody. Oh, no problem. Joe Biden's still meeting with him. But Joe Biden's never been to Palestine, Ohio. I'll keep mentioning it. No, he's never talked to the mayor there. Because the mayor's a Republican, a Mr. United. Mr. Unity doesn't want to talk to Republicans. He doesn't want to talk to the mayor of Palestine. Palestine. He doesn't want to talk to the Republican Speaker of the House. No, 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 no. no. Mr. Unity. Mega maggot. Mega maggot. The Tennessee Three. Oh, okay. And uh, what about the families that lost... Loved ones at the Christian school. No. Jill was already there, as you know. So, And, of course, he sent Kamala, who screamed at the top of her lungs in Nashville about gun control. Very appropriate. Very appropriate, yes. Incidentally, are they never going to release the manifesto that was written by the murderer? And apparently she had extensive journals and notes. This is a cover-up. Pure and simple. Have you ever heard of something like this before? Even the Unabomber, his notebook was released. Once he was brought to court, this person was killed. And so there is no court, and there's no reason that this stuff should be hidden. So why won't they release it? I will tell you why. Because some of the material is controversial and provocative. And promotes a narrative that they don't want to see the light of day. That's why. And I challenge the corrupt Democrat Party media to take all legal steps necessary 
to get those materials because I know they're itching over there at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost to do a story on this. I know they're itching to do it. And I'm waiting for the Human Rights Group, what do they call themselves, the Human Rights Foundation, whatever, to demand the release of the information. I'm waiting for the LGBTQ plus community to demand the release of the information. I'm waiting for the ACLU to demand the release of the information. Where is it? Why is everything a secret? I think the people have a right to know. The families have a right to know. Isn't that what a free press is all about? Isn't that what freedom of speech is all about? Not censoring or conversely promoting to accommodate the Democrat Party and their Marxist agenda. I don't believe that's fair. Do you, America? Where is this information? I'd like to read it and discuss it with you. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. AOC is on record with no pushback from Jen Psaki that Fox needs to be regulated. And they create this pretext because it's promoting violence. Where? When? How? I think the New York Times is promoting violence. I think AOC is promoting violence. I think the Democrat Party is promoting violence. I guess they should all be regulated by the government. Do you see how dangerous these people are? But Chuck Schumer, he was on CNN and said essentially the same thing. Cut 25, go! Fox needs to reckon with the lies that it spread, and it may literally have to pay for the lies that it spread. But... Is it the role of government officials to demand that media organizations say things or tell media organizations what to put on their airwaves? Well, you know, it's hardly the first time that people have said Channel 4 should have done this, the New York Times should have done that. That's not unusual. But what has happened here is, John, very unusual. This is not simply telling them what to do. This is telling them, showing them that they have hurt our democracy probably way that no other actor, maybe with the exception of Donald Trump, who used them, um, uh, has done. 
And so when it's that vital, I think we not only have a right to tell Rupert Murdoch and Fox what to do, but an obligation. And I hope people from one end of the country to the other will call up Fox and say, do what uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries and I asked for, which is stop the lies, say they were wrong, and report the news. You may have a different way of reporting the news. Uh, than look look else at you, it. you flim flam artist. You propagandist. Disgusting. Of all people, this guy. By the way, have you noticed how he's hunched back, Mr. Purdue? Have you noticed this? He's on the floor of the Senate. He's hunched over like the hunchback of Notre Dame. And he's endlessly davening. Some of you know what that means. But he's, en- he's like, there's something wrong with this guy. I wonder if he's getting uh, like Fetterman. I'm just, I'm not saying he is. I don't know. But you can see the focus here, not on the New York Times, which covered up the Holocaust and promoted Stalin and his genocide against the Ukrainians and, and promoted Castro. No, 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 that's forgiven. That's okay. CNN with its endless lies about Russian collusion and more. And thanks to James O'Keefe and his operation, we got all that audio of CNN behind the scenes. Where Zucker, Jeff Mother Zucker, was out there telling them what to do and to get Trump and all that. No, 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 no big deal there. No, no, of course not. And one can only imagine. Look at MSNBC and the, the conga line of reprobates, maniacs, miscreants, and malcontents. Al Sharpton, who should never be forgiven for what he did on multiple counts, ever. Oh, that's okay. But they all back Democrats, they all are Democrats. So it's no problem for Schumer. Schumer's swell with the whole damn thing. No problem. So AOC's on there with Pisaki. Her Sunday show, uh, which gets no ratings either. She has a little blip and they go, well, look at, look at her ratings. She has no ratings. Cut six. Cut six. Go. Seems pretty clear that the fight for abortion access did not end with Roe, mm-hmm. uh, and opponents of abortion access are still at it very mm-hmm. much. How bad do you think this could get for reproductive rights in the United States? Okay, let's let, let's let's stop a second. Abortion is not about reproductive rights. It's about the opposite of reproductive rights. You're not reproducing anything. You're killing it. You're ending it. So there are no reproductive rights. That's number one. Number two, there's two human beings. Why do they always talk like there's one? Number three, why don't they ever talk about partial birth abortion and abortion in the last trimester, abortion in the last minute, which they support? How come they never talk about that or describe it? 
Number four, what is their obsession with death and abortion? There are not thousands and thousands of women who want abortions who can't get abortions. But you know what else is, has to be said and put on the table here? As a percentage of their population, it's the black community that has the largest number of abortions as a percentage of their population. So when you have white leftists, and by Pasaki, I really mean white, white leftists talking to each other in this way, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. And so there we have, uh, we'll ask AOC on the show again, Mr. Producer. Ask her again. Tell her... uh, Three times and she's out, but this is the fourth time. We'd love to have her here, to have a discussion with her, if she's capable of it. Uh, I don't know. A slobbering, spittle discussion with her. No, just a regular discussion. But I suspect she won't want one. And I have found this true throughout my life, not just my career, but throughout my life, that leftists do not want to have a debate. They do not want to have a debate. They either want to put you in prison, shut you down, or pretend you don't exist. That's where their head is. Hunter Biden's legal team They're either in Washington today or tomorrow. What are they doing? They want to know what's up. What's up? What's going on? We have a whistleblower out of the IRS that we talked about last week. He said his senior official lied to Congress. I'm sure the delegate from the Virgin Islands will be very interested in this. That senior official is the Attorney General of the United States. The Attorney General of the United States. Now, you don't hear the Democrats calling for his head. You don't hear the media calling for his head. They're ignoring the whistleblower. They didn't ignore the whistleblower, the phony fraud fake, whose name they wouldn't even repeat, remember? Don't, don't say his name! I can't say Eric... Don't say his name! Don't say his name! Don't say his name? The media in America. Don't say his name. And then I believe it was over Real Clear Politics, Paul Sperry. Yeah, there's a guy's name right here. What? My God! Let's pretend it's not there. Don't look at it. Don't read his name. Don't read his name. Don't speak his name. Forget about it. No name. What do you mean? Forget about it. He's a whistleblower. You're going to get 
He's going to have threats. He's going to have threats now. And, of course, he met with, you might recall, Adam Schiff's staff. It was all an inside job to try and get an impeachment. It was all an inside job. I can't even remember the guy's name, to be perfectly honest with you. Can't remember it, but it doesn't matter. That's good. So the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNB, all the rest never said his name. Can you believe that? It's still an amazing thing. Nope, can't say his name. They don't even say his name today. Nah, nah, nah. Don't even bring it up. But I want to say his name. Don't say his name. It's like, uh, what was that, the George Carlin thing with the seven words you can't say in uh, radio or TV? Yeah, you can't say in broadcast. This is the eighth, the eighth name. The guy's name. You couldn't say his name. It's a whistleblower. Now we have this other whistleblower. Uh, what whistleblower? Civil servant, senior supervisory, investigator, criminal division, IRS. Well, you know, whatever. Anybody could be saying anything here. Anybody can be saying anything here. We need to know his name. We need to know who he is. No, we don't want to know his name. What are you covering up? Excuse me? What are you covering up? We want uh, This is how it works. Because the guy's got Biden dead to rights. He's got the cover-up operation, the obstruction operation, dead to rights. That is why Hunter Biden's lawyers are in Washington. What do you mean, Mark? They're trying to cut a deal before this guy speaks. That's why. Mark Levin. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. You know, uh, we we just adopted two dogs. Ronnie, who's about eight months, and uh, he was seven months. And Toby, two male dogs, he's now six months. And he's tiny little dog. When we adopted Ronnie, he was already neutered. Toby got neutered today, Mr. Producer. Much like Joe Biden and Jill Biden. Anyway, just came home. My wife just brought him home. and He's yiping a little bit and crying a little. It's very upsetting, to be perfectly honest. Like, what the hell did you do to us? Or, or what the hell did you do to me? He's got that cone on his head. and hey, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll be dealing with that for a little while. Joe Biden's age. Joe Biden used to think age was an it. By the way, you notice how nobody but the most obsessed and unhinged Democrat talks about Trump's age. Does Trump sound like he's 78 years old, Mr. Producer? No. Doesn't look it, doesn't sound. Joe Biden looks and sounds like he's 178 years old. Everybody knows it. And yet, back in 1972, when he was 29 years old, and he was running for the Senate of the United States, he went after a man called Cal Boggs. Cal Boggs being the Republican, Cal Boggs was 
in the Senate for a good good amount of time. And Nixon talked him into uh, running again, even though he didn't want to. CNN actually covered this. Cut to go. CNN's K-File is also digging into President Biden's campaign history. While Biden is now the oldest president in U.S. history, he was once vying to be one of the youngest senators ever. And he took an interesting position on age back then. CNN's Andrew Kaczynski is uncovering the story for us. Andrew, tell us about how Biden campaigned that time around. Right. So 51 years ago, Joe Biden was a 29-year-old Delaware uh, city councilman. Uh, He was so young that when he was elected, he was not even the age uh, that he could be sworn in. He didn't turn 30 until after that uh, election. And he was attacking his opponent, uh, Republican Senator Cale Boggs, over his age. Boggs was 63 at the time. Uh, Now, we should note that 17 years younger than Biden is today. That's more than 20 years younger uh, than Biden would be uh, in his second term if he was reelected, if he runs for reelection. And what's interesting about this is Biden in that campaign, uh, he had some quotes where he said uh, Boggs had lost uh, that old twinkle uh, in his eye uh, was one of his quotes. This this uh, approach was so explicit uh, that the local press dubbed it the dear old dad uh, approach to campaigning. Take a look at some of these uh, newspaper ads that the Biden campaign uh, ran during that campaign. You can see that he cited things uh, like the 1948 poll tax. Uh, he had ads where he talked about Joseph Stalin uh, and jazz musicians uh, doing uh, heroin uh, and he, he, he hammered home this line to contrast with, with Boggs, who was a two-term senator and a two-term governor. Uh, he used this line, he understands what's happening today. Uh, take a listen to, to one of the radio ads uh, that his campaign ran, hammering that home. In Kale Boggs' day, when Stalin ruled, Americans had visions of Russian soldiers in our streets. In Joe Biden's day, Americans have visions of American criminals in our streets. Joe Biden, he understands what's happening today. Uh, So that was then. Uh, This is now. And it's going to be interesting to see how Biden uh, handles those age-related questions. See, he was a sleazeball at the age of 29, actually before, and he's a sleazeball now. He will say and do anything for power, for self-aggrandizement, and to enrich himself. He is a sleazeball. He's always been a sleazeball. It's why he was a segregationist early in his career. He didn't just support it. He was an activist for segregation. And now he's, you know, Mr. Equity, who stands up against MAGA extremists. He is a man who is fundamentally really empty. He's empty of a soul, a heart, or a brain. Empty. Which is why so many Democrats really don't want him to run again, except the radical leftists who think the people pulling his strings are doing a hell of a good job for the country. But there are serious issues with this. So he attacks a 63-year-old for being too old to serve as a senator. A 63-year-old. Which in today's Washington is, is like a, uh, it's a sophomore. It's a young person. 63. 
seems like everybody in a position of power is 93, and that's okay if you're 93, but, you know, president, probably not so much. Imagine that. Now, Corinne Jean-Pierre, why do they even have her up there? I mean, why, why does the press even bother? Has she ever given a straight answer about anything? No. She doesn't. And she's really not free to, to be quite frank about it. She's just not a good liar. That Pisaki is a good liar. That's why she's on MSNBC now. She's a hell of a good liar. Kirby, another good liar. He's a good liar. But uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre is a liar, just not a good liar. So Steve Portnoy of CBS News, Steve Portnoy is pretty good, by the way. I knew him when he worked at ABC and when so many of these stations that I'm on now were owned by the ABC radio network, which was bought by another company, which was bought by another company, which was bought by Cumulus. Cut four. Go. The issue of the president uh, is 80 years old. This man never elected. Would be 86 at the end of his second term. Our CBS News poll this morning shows that only 22% of Democratic-leaning voters are excited about the prospect of uh, President Biden running for re-election. I want to ask you this. As a young man, when he was coming of age, uh, the president who was inaugurated in 1961 said that it was time to, that a torch had been passed to a new generation. Why has President Biden not decided to pass the torch at this point? Why does he still want to hold it? So look, I'll tell of- you why. Uh, I don't. Uh, I let her answer it her way, which will be, you know, hatch act. I'll answer it my way. Because he's a selfish bastard. That's why. What else is this guy going to do? He's been hoarding classified documents in three different locations. He has a Corvette while he wants to outlaw others from owning a Corvette. What else is this guy going to do? And so he views, you know, this is retirement for him, to be honest with you. He doesn't have to buy his own food. They, They cook it for him. If he were retiring, they'd put him in a home where somebody else would cook it for him, but he'd have to pay for it. Here, he's at the White House, somebody cooks it for him, they feed him, give him his bib, have a spittle cup. It's all set for him. He doesn't have to worry about driving a car. Cars are driven for him, gets helicopter rides, doesn't have to go to uh, you know, an amusement park for helicopter rides. There he is, he gets him whenever he wants. He can have his ice cream. He can get a double scoop of ice cream with a waffle cone. Anytime he wants. President of the United States. I mean, look at the reality of the situation. He can get a plane ride. He's always wanted to go to this place or that place. Gets a nice plane ride. Enjoys his time on Air Force One. Doesn't have to fly commercial. It's really cool. And he can spend 40% of his time in Wilmington or Rehoboth Beach. Plus, as he announced, they're putting in brand new bulletproof windows in his homes. The government's built a wall around his home in Rehoboth Beach. I mean, after all, they had a lot of mortar and brick and steel left over from the southern border. He can set policies that utterly, that don't affect him, but impose his will on all kinds of people. 
for all kinds of reasons and all kinds of things. Jill loves it, after all. She loves going to the sporting sporting events without paying. They're cheap bastards on top of everything else. And as our man Lenny Dykstra said, great, great, great baseball player for the Phillies. I think he played for the Mets, too, but who cares about that, Mr. Producer? Uh, Let's hope she's not rooting for the Philadelphia 76ers because they'll lose the way the Phillies did and the way the Eagles did in the World Series and in the uh, Super Bowl. She's the kiss of death when it comes to these games. He's right about that. So Joe Biden is running for re-election because of all these reasons. And of course he can pardon himself and pardon his son if he needs to. Probably won't have to pardon himself because he's got a a mob lawyer there, effectively, as the Attorney General of the United States, who's looking out for him and his boy. Should, should go fairly smoothly. So Portnoy asks, Yes, sir. Well, what about all this and age? Go ahead. I want to be very careful. Again, this is the 2024, uh, related to the 2024 No, uh, not really. You can't comment on Biden's age because it's related to the election. No, it's related to his age. Go ahead. Very careful on, um, on that piece. But what I can say more broadly uh, is that, uh, you know, as it relates to your first part of the question, um, you know, when it comes to age, it's the same thing that we heard in 2020, right? We heard that over and over in 2020. And, and we were uh, right in 2020. He's a fool. An absolute fool. When you had a few brain cells to rub together, he was a fool. Go ahead. And if you look at what the president has done this past two years. Yeah, he's, he's destroyed a- the country. He's empowered China. He's empowered Iran. We have millions and millions more illegal aliens all over the country. Fentanyl coming out of our ears. He's undermined the United States military. He's undermined women's sports. He's destroyed school choice. He's destroyed the Middle East, quite frankly. The Abraham Accords. Iran is more powerful than ever because he... He won't enforce any sanctions, and he's lifted others. The dollar is weak. The communist Chinese are strong. They're replacing our currency. We've seen what he's done since 2020, you moron. That's why when you heard his announcement, he didn't even mention his record. Eh, I'm going to protect the democracy from the mega-extremists. I'm going to protect Social Security. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. I'm going to... What have you done, you? Go ahead. Deliver and get things done, right? Where Republicans are trying to... Republicans in Congress, Republicans on the other side... Well, I just thought she said she can't talk about politics, Mr. Producer. Was she asked about Republicans? No, but apparently the Hatch Act does not apply to trashing and smearing and lying about Republicans. Go ahead. Yeah, are, to- are trying to pull us back, not move us forward. We want to move forward. 
not backwards, forward to the abyss. Yes, we want to fall into the abyss. We want to move forward. Forward to what? I'm so tired of these shibboleths. I'm so tired of these nonsensical phrases. Hey, we want to move forward. We don't want to move backwards. Uh, we want to build from the bottom, uh, the bottom up and the middle out. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, we want everyone to pay their fair share. That's right. Fair share. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Blinken and his wife emailed frequently with Hunter Biden, raising questions about the role in laptop cover-up. This isn't the New York Slimes. It's not the Washington Compost. It's not Maggot Haberman. Jeremy and his Peters. No, it's none of those people. They only get prizes for lying about Donald Trump. It's not over there at Mediocreite, where they obsessed with Tucker Carlson, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump. Now, this is the uh, Fox News Digital. So, what happened here, folks? Blinken, isn't he the Secretary of State? Secretary of State Anthony Blinken held a meeting with Hunter Biden at the State Department in July 2015. By my calculation, that's seven and a half years ago, when he was serving as the Deputy Secretary of State in the Obama-Biden administration, and Hunter was on the board of the Ukrainian energy firm Burisma. You may have heard of that, according to emails reviewed and verified by Fox News Digital. The ties between Blinken and Hunter Biden could face increased scrutiny. Only by the Republicans on Capitol Hill, of course. After former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morrell, who's a Trump hater, by the way, testified to the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees last week that Blinken, I may mention he's Secretary of State, as President Biden's then-campaign senior advisor, quote, played a role in the inception, unquote, of the public statement signed by Intel officials claiming Hunter's abandoned laptop was part of a Russian disinformation campaign just weeks before the 2020 presidential election. So this is a real dirty trick. These guys make Nixon look like, uh, well, well, Nixon wasn't bad, certainly compared to these guys with the Russia collusion and all that. Look at this. And so he's awarded with being Secretary of State for doing the dirty work for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden knew this letter was was a fake and a fraud. Anthony Blinken knew this letter was a fake and a fraud, obviously. Jake Sherman, the National Security Advisor, he knew this letter was a fake and a fraud. But it didn't matter. The media didn't want to know the source. 
no, 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 we have to stop Trump and help Biden. And they're doing that to this day. Let's continue. The ties between Blinken and Biden could face increased scrutiny. I don't know. Not if you read the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. Uh, then you don't know anything. Emails from the infamous abandoned laptop that Blinken sought to discredit so that Hunter has ties to Blinken and his wife. You know, this laptop was a treasure trove. Still is. It's in the hands of the American Stasi. It's in the hands of the Department of Injustice. Meritless Garland. It's a treasure trove of crimes, criminality, corruption, violations of federal law, perhaps state law. Not just implicating Hunter Biden, but implicating big dumb Joe and the rest of the mob family. Emails from the infamous abandoned laptop that Blinken sought to discredit show that Hunter has ties to Blinken and his wife, Evan Ryan, dating back... Why does his wife have a guy's name? Evan. Dating back over a decade, having scheduled meetings with him while he was on the board of Burisma, and Blinken was deputy secretary... Ooh, the plot thickens. But they still want to appoint a special counsel, and that's what's needed. In an email on May 22, 2015... Hunter tried to schedule a meeting with Blinken so he could get the Deputy Secretary of State's advice on some things. Have a few minutes next week to grab a cup of coffee. Maybe a prostitute. No, I added that. Hunter asked, I know you're impossibly busy, but would you like to, I would like to get your advice on a couple things, quote-unquote. Uh, absolutely. Blinken replied, I'm just about to land in Tokyo and I'm dropping names all over the place. And wrote back to D.C. from Burma. Burma? Is he doing collecting rubies? I'll be in the office from Tuesday on, copying Linda in my office to find a good time. Look forward to seeing you, Tony. Guy was a kiss-ass. He knew he wanted to be Secretary of State. Hunter then forwarded Blinken's response to his business partner and fellow Burisma board member, Devin Archer. Roger, Archer responded. 10-4. No, I added that. Several emails then followed discussing logistics. An email from Blinken's then assistant, Linda Landers. What is this, Mr. Producer? Some kind of a uh, comedy movie? Linda Landers. Oh, May- Was that her real name, Linda Landers? Apparently so. On May 27, 2015, listed Blinken's schedule for that day, quote, I'm trying to schedule you after Tony's afternoon White House meeting. Are you available about 3.45 or 4 p.m.? Linda Landers wrote, Can you come to the department for coffee and see his new digs? Ooh. I should be. I should be. Let me know and I'll be wherever is easiest for him, Hunter responded. Hunter also forwarded a response from Blinken's assistant to Archer saying, FYI. 10-4. No, I added that. The meeting at the State Department was initially set for 3.30 p.m. and then moved to 4 p.m. on May 27, 2015. 
But at the time of the emails, Hunter's older brother, Bo Biden, had been admitted to Walter Reed, obviously because of his brain cancer, which is a serious matter. But the meeting was later scheduled for July 22nd. According to an email scheduled from uh, Hunter Biden's assistant. So five weeks later, he's back at it. 12 to 1.30 p.m., lunch with Tony Blinken, State Department. Hunter's schedule read, enter a main entrance, diplomatic entrance, 22nd and C Streets Northwest. Proceed to receptionist area where Kenny Matthews will be waiting to escort you to Tony's office. Later that day, Blinken told Hunter in an email, it was great to see him and catch up. You will love this, Blinken wrote to Hunter on July 22, 2015, after you left Marjorie, the wonderful African-American woman who sits in my outer office and used to be Colin Powell's assistant, said to me, he sure is pledging on the eyes. Tell your wife, said Blinken. Well then. It's unclear what was discussed during this meeting. Fox News Digital's inquiries sent to the White House, Hunter's lawyer, State Department were not returned. Can you imagine that? Appears that Hunter first tried to connect with Blinken on June 16, 2010, when he asked Blinken's wife, current White House Cabinet Secretary Evan Ryan, that's a big job, for his non-government email address. Uh, Can I get Tony's non-government email, Hunter asked. I want to send him something. Thanks. And he spells Tony T-O-N-I. Isn't that the way you spell it for girls, Mr. Producer? Ryan, Evan Ryan, which is typically a guy's name. The administration's very hip, you know. Who worked at the White House at the time and later went to work at the State Department, according to her Lincoln. Then provided Lincoln's personal email address to Hunter. She previously worked for Biden as his deputy campaign manager during his unsuccessful presidential run between 2007 and 2008. In March 2010, Hunter Biden's longtime business partner, he has a lot of longtime business partners. Some of them are Anglo, some of them are Communist Chinese. Eric Schwerin, Schwerin, (laughs) yes, Eric Schwerin, emailed Hunter about a couple White House events and said, quote, talk to Evan, That's the wife of Blinken. Tony spelled T-O-N-Y, not T-O-N-I. About them and how many tickets the office of the vice president would be allotting for guests. And it goes on. And what this shows, it goes on and on and on, as a matter of fact, is the closeness that Hunter had with Tony, T-O-N-Y, and Evan, who's a woman. Tony's wife. And, uh, they socialized, they wrote back and forth. This guy Schwerman, one of his business partners, was involved. More and more. Now, in his transcribed interview, Morell, remember him? The CIA guy? He testified that on or around October 17, 2020, I uh, was reached out to uh, discuss Hunter Biden's laptop story, they wrote. According to Morell, although your outreach was couched as simply getting Morrell's reaction to the Post story, it set in motion the events that led the issuance of the public statement. This is to Blinken. Morrell further explained that one of his two goals in releasing the statement was to help then-Vice President Biden in a debate to assist him in winning the election, they wrote. We used to call this a smoking gun. 
We used to call this fingerprints. We used to call this DNA. We used to call this a stained blue dress. Based on Morrell's testimony, it's apparent the Biden campaign played an active role in the origins of the public statement, which had the effect of helping to suppress the Hunter Biden story. I don't know why they even bothered to do all this. They just had to wait for Meritless Garland to show up. He'll suppress it all for them. I figured out Biden has to run for re-election. You know why, Mr. Producer? Because he figures if Hunter's part, uh, uh, indicted or he's indicted, he'll par- pardon Hunter and pardon himself. I mean, he's got the perfect situation there with the meritless Garland, so it's unlikely he'll ever be charged with anything. That is, uh, you know, Mr. 10% there, the big guy. I think they used to call uh, Gambino Mr. 10%. But here's Joe Biden at a press conference at the White House today. And uh, I'm looking at number six, Mr. Producer. And uh, says he was going to run no matter what. Cut six, go. Did Donald Trump's decision to run affect yours? Would you be running if he wasn't? Yeah, I think I still would be running if he wasn't. I, I do know him well. And he's not hard to know, as you know. You know him well, too. Um, and, uh, no, you're course- a rambling ass. You really are. We know you well, too. We know you very well. He's the put-down artist. The guy who, uh, who's been a sleazeball his whole life, who's made millions nobody knows how exactly. Who's destroyed many wonderful people and have tried to destroy others. This is the guy who, uh, who's attacking everybody else. Well, I want to remind you, America... I want to remind you of Tara Reid, our friends at PJ Media, Matt Margolis, woman who says Joe Biden sexually assaulted her reacts to his campaign announcement. Joe Biden has a well-documented history of inappropriate behavior with young women, even little girls. Yes, he's a pervert. No wonder he keeps signing. Oh, look at this. Book burners, these Republicans, you know, it's DeSantis. Yeah, their books on pornography, children. Hey, never bother me, I'm Joe. But one of the most serious accusations came from Tara Reid in 2019 when she revealed publicly that Joe Biden touched her inappropriately while she worked as a staffer in his Senate office in 1993. Notice how this doesn't affect the uh, ladies at The View. I'm not allowed to say ladies. The it's at The View. Notice they're utterly unaffected by this. For women's rights. Except we can't define a woman. According to Reed, Biden would... Uh, yeah, it's too, it's too much. Reed explained uh, what he did. It's effectively uh, rape is what it is. Tara Reed reacted to Biden's campaign announcement yesterday. She tweeted this, Joe Biden announced he is running for president today for 2024. Someone asked me how I felt. She tweeted, how would you feel? My monster is now America's monster. This is the year not to vote blue, no matter who. And to the other candidates running that may not win, if you end up endorsing Joe Biden just to hold power, that will put you on the wrong side of history forever. 
I'm sure Maggie Haberman is very interested in following up on this. I understand they have at least six reporters also at the Washington Compost looking into this. Mediaite. Mediaite ran with this. Oh, they didn't? Why not? Because her name isn't Tucker Carlson. That's why. Or Ron DeSantis or, or Donald Trump. It's deeply concerning that there's been a shocking disregard among the left and the media, I would add, for the allegations of his inappropriate behavior towards women, including the credible accusations of sexual assault. Reed told her mother, her brother, and a close friend about the incident after it happened and even attempted to file a complaint at the time, but Biden's loyal staff protected him, just like the media today, just like the frauds and the phonies who surround him today. In fact, Reed's allegations have far more credibility than those of Christine Blasey Ford, who accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting uh, her in high school. Oh, yeah, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, he would be on uh, uh, gang rapes every weekend. It was unbelievable. This, And you look at Kavanaugh and you listen to him. This guy's a complete nerd. No one was able to corroborate Ford's story, and her lawyers attempted to pressure one of her witnesses to alter their account. During her testimony, Ford stated she was given a ride home from the party, but she was unable to identify the driver, and no one came forward claiming to have given her any ride either. Mark, you want details? What's with the details, for crying out loud? In all likelihood, Ford may have been assaulted in the 80s, but modified the assault's timeline to 82 to allege that it occurred during Kavanaugh's high school years. Whatever. Tara Reid has like a photographic remedy of how Joe Biden molested her. And he goes around smelling little girl's hair. and th- Guy is a pervert. And you can quote me. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. Despite efforts to intimidate me by some of the Democrat Party media platforms out there, I will continue to make my points about the Constitution, including the following. The decision on January 6th that was before the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, that is Congress, with the Vice President serving as President of the Senate, overseeing the counting of electoral votes, is purely 100% a political matter. There is no place whatsoever, none, for prosecutors, FBI investigators, or anybody associated with the federal law enforcement. None. The decision about quote-unquote fake electors the decision about going back to states, any potential decisions about how to handle the electors or the election belongs to the United States Congress. There is simply no role built into the Constitution. None. For branches of the executive branch to make determinations about the conduct of the campaigns of the candidates. 
There's a difference between flat-out graft, bribery, understandable crimes, payoffs, and so forth and so on to influence an election. But there is no constitutional authority, no standing whatsoever for an attorney general, for a U.S. attorney, for a special counsel to be conducting grand jury proceedings, grand jury proceedings to second guess, to make determinations about political matters taking place in the state legislatures and taking place in the halls of Congress. None. This has never happened before, ever. And there have been many contentious elections, many, including 2000, including 1800 for that matter. And a precedent is being created here that is gravely dangerous. Where an attorney general or U.S. attorney can make a determination on their own, on their own, to impanel a grand jury, to call witnesses, to subpoena documents, to determine to the satisfaction of the U.S. attorney, or in this case, the special counsel, overseen by an attorney general, on whether they believe a law was violated. And the laws that they're referring to were never passed by Congress in contemplation of anything like this. That is, that they would be used under any circumstances connected to or associated with an election. And the way the media continue to frame this, which if there was an effort to overturn the 2020 election, is nothing but propaganda. When Democrats in 2000 went to the floor, demanded recounts, demanded that the votes out of Florida not be counted, what was that? When Democrats went to the floor went to the floor and demanded in 2004 that the votes from Ohio not be counted? What was that? When Democrats went to the floor in 2016 and insisted that the election of Donald Trump should be voided because of so-called Russian influence, what was that? When there was an effort in this country, and this battle went all the way to the Supreme Court, to try and persuade Republican delegates to flip to the Democrat presidential candidate, what was that? When there was an effort in 2000 to endlessly litigate in the most partisan counties in Florida, 
to bring these cases to the Supreme Court of Florida, which was all Democrat, to overturn the election laws that had been passed by the state legislature and signed by the governor. What was that? Congress makes the ultimate determination. Congress could have even overruled the U.S. Supreme Court in Bush versus Gore. Because Congress has the final say, uniquely so. Importantly so. Crucially so. When it comes to determining in the end who the president and the vice president of the United States will be. Why do you think the left opposes the Electoral College? There's a process that's set up. A U.S. attorney, an attorney general, special counsel, call them whatever you want. They can't intercede in that process to make determinations if they're uncomfortable with efforts that were taken. With other electors, potentially. If there are issues that are to be raised about whether electors are fake or not, whether they're legitimate or not, those issues go to the floor of the House of Representatives, where there's a joint meeting of Congress. And those issues are decided by Congress. That's the Constitution. And so now we have a situation where the former Vice President of the United States is compelled to testify in front of a federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. at the behest of a so-called special counsel with connections to the Obama family. And he wants him to testify against Trump. Against Trump. We have lawyers that represented Trump. Forced to testify in front of that grand jury. Because a case is trying to be made. And ultimately, potentially will be made. That Donald Trump spearheaded an effort. To overturn the 2020 election. To obstruct the peaceful movement from one administration to the next. And they will dust off laws that have never been used in these circumstances. They will dust off laws that are a hundred years old or more. Criminal statutes. Misapply them to this situation. And then, forevermore, people involved in politics in the states, at the federal level, congressmen and senators, presidential candidates will wonder. When they pick up the phone and call a secretary of state or their party in one party and say, can you find more votes? Or can't we send another list of electors? Or a thousand other questions. 
they will now be committing potentially criminal acts. That some U.S. attorney, some attorney general, some special counsel, potentially for another administration, the administration at issue, will send them to prison. And I'm the only one talking about this. And yet this is dire. This is a horrendous criminalization of the political process. The people doing this would never have done this against Biden, Obama, Clinton, Carter, LBJ, JFK, never, ever. I hear people that are called constitutional lawyers, constitutional professors, constitutional experts, and they won't even discuss this because they're sellouts. There is no place, no place here for the criminalization of this matter. None. And how did it become a criminal matter? How did this become a criminal matter? Because the same man who decided that parents at school board meetings, the pro-lifers at abortion clinics, that thousands of Americans on the grounds of the Capitol building are to be investigated and prosecuted, decided to criminalize this matter. The same people who promote the American Marxism agenda are the same people doing this to our constitutional order. They're not upholding anything. They're perverting it. I speak as somebody that used to work at the United States Department of Justice at the highest levels. As somebody who was chief of staff to an attorney general. As somebody who with that attorney general would sit around a very big table in the attorney general's conference room with the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, the Associate Attorney General, the Assistant Attorney General for the Criminal Division, with the head of the U.S. Attorney's Office, with the Director of the FBI, and more. This would never have gotten out of hand the way it has here. I can tell you now on the other matter, the documents matter. There is no way, no way, none, that Attorney General Meese would have agreed to a, a warrant followed by a SWAT team, followed by a special counsel to go after Ronald Reagan's former opponent, Jimmy Carter, over documents, classified or otherwise. It never would have happened, period.